listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, we dare you to find any instruments in these tracks. At the top of the hour this hour, Home Free is wrapping up their Timeless Tour, but only to go right back out on the road for their Christmas Tour. This is their third annual Christmas Tour. The Christmas Tour kicks off on Saturday, November 24th, right after Thanksgiving at Harrah's Resort in Atlantic City, New Jersey. From there, they'll crisscross across the United States and end up in Phoenix, Arizona on Monday, December 31st. For tickets, please go to homefreemusic.com tour. Tickets are going fast as the show in Wausau, Wisconsin on Saturday, December 22nd is already sold out. While you're on their site, you can download or stream or watch their latest single, Finally Free. Hello, Acaville fans. Welcome to Tacapella. Brian is out this week. He's doing some big business stuff, being just a frankly, being a very successful human being. But today I am joined by Tina Fries. She is from Poster, a Denmark-based group, and we're really excited to have her on today. Tina, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I just came home from vacation Ooh. yesterday, so I'm relaxed and ready to talk. Where'd you go to vacation? Uh, we went to Barcelona. Oh, wow. I've never been to Barcelona. Is, do they have any acapella there? Um, I don't, I don't know. Probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. It's I, everywhere now. I didn't go there for the music, just no, for yeah. the sun and the fun. Yeah. That sounds really nice. Tina, can you tell us about your acapella experience? What do you do? How do you do acapella? Well, I do acapella with a poster. Mm -hmm. That's five people, two women and three guys and a computer. And we write our own music and arrange it for this kind of vocal band. Mm -hmm. um, it's not even really a cappella because we also use beats and mm -hmm. we use a computer to make the loops and all. Then I make a cappella in a big choir called Vocal Line. Uh -huh. We are 33 people and we tour also uh, like poster around the world. Mm -hmm. And then I conduct an a cappella choir called uh, Lüt. That means uh, listen. Then I also oh, cool. co-conduct uh, the Danish National Youth Choir. Uh, oh, wow. called uh, sing, sing Selected. Yes, I am busy. So actually all I do is to sing and to sing with other people. Well, that sounds ridiculously fulfilling. So I'm curious, Tina, how does the computer work? Because most of my acapella experience is just we have a pitch pipe and we get our note from there. Sometimes we'll get it from a piano and that's it. How does Poster use uh, computer and electronics to kind of create, well, I've kind of heard it is kind of like this acapella instrumental hybrid kind of thing. How does that work? Well, actually, we should have my colleague Christopher here online <laughs> as well, because he's really the mastermind of, of what's going on inside the computer. But to begin with, we use the computer mainly as a loop station. Okay. Um, yeah. So we would write arrangements and then because we were only five people, we would kind of run out of singers and mm -hmm. then have some of the parts we wanted to have in the music simply being looped by the computer. But later on, once we've gotten to know the computer better and the options that it has, we've started to compose and arrange in a different way uh, because uh -huh. now we can, uh, with the computer, we can, for instance, make arpeggios. So we can at some point sing like a long note and then maybe another long note and another long note or the five of us can sing a cluster of notes at the same time. And then we can pre-program the computer so it will pick up 
the note or the notes, and then it will play them back in a different uh, rhythm. Okay. So we could make like 16th uh, arpeggios, very fast arpeggios, and also, or even faster, or in a different rhythm, or we could take the note that we record live, and then we could ask the computer if it could re-pitch it. So it okay. will be played back like two octaves higher or lower or even be a different note. So this way, the computer is really singing along with us, but only using the material that we give it live. And this also means that it's, it has, I feel like the computer has a life of it, its own because it always depends on what we give it. Yeah, so it's kind of like a, your sixth member. It is, it is. And some people some people sometimes say like, oh, it must be easier, you know, with computer. Isn't it a bit like cheating? And actually, I feel like it's totally opposite, that it makes the whole thing a lot more difficult. Because if I sing the wrong note, and then the computer reports oh. the wrong note, and pitches <laughs> that two octaves up, and plays it over and over again for the next 100 bars wrong then the oh. whole thing is messed up, right? So that's one thing we do with the computer. Other things we do is that we work with um, different effects, like like different reverbs and things like that. Actually, stuff that sometimes the sound engineer would do. But because we do it, then we can do much more than just one sound engineer can do. I mean, he only has two sets, two pairs of hands, right? Totally. And when we can, yeah. when we can pre-program it, then we can do a lot of different things to the things to the music that we sing live that makes a lot of sense is all this like plan it's all like intricately planned out before you start the performance like you know okay at measure 10 i sing a note that is then going to be repeated later like is it all like kind of yeah. very very structured yes okay and how does that affect how you go about performing because i know with my groups that i've sung with in the past it's just okay if we make a mistake we keep going on and, and that's it. And we're just trying to listen to each other and do the best we can. But mm. with a computer, not only like monitoring your sound, but amplifying it and creating sounds for the group as well, based on what you input to it. How does that affect how you relate to your fellow singers in the group? That mm. I'm really curious about. Yeah, well, that is a work in progress, I think. <laughs> um, this is one of the challenges of working with the computer is that you have to be so structured yeah. um, and there is very, very little room for mistakes. And I think to begin with singing a cappella, there is very, very little room for mistakes. And yeah. now we've kind of made it even more difficult, but we, we, we rehearse and we, uh, we, we try to get better. And also to, I think the more we do it, yeah, the better we get. I mean, the fewer mistakes we make. And also sometimes we found out that even if we make mistakes, Maybe it's okay uh -huh. because it simply makes the whole thing more human. Mm -hmm. Like I if it's that. too if it's too perfect, then you also lose some authenticity. Yeah. And sometimes when you loop things wrong, it really sounds wrong. But when <laughs> sometimes when you do it, then because it's repeated, then the ear of the listener also kind of accepts a little tiny mm -hmm. mistake. Uh, after a while, at least that's what we tell ourselves. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. That, that's yeah. I think that's really neat. I did looping like one time in a music class and I was really bad at it and I was always late and I did, I think I came in on something late so then they kept doing it and, and it was always mm. my, I think I was supposed to come in on an offbeat and it came just 
a, a like a hair of a second too late. Yeah. So then we, I just kept hearing it and then I got, you know, just a little bit used to it. So that makes sense that you want it to be an organic process. So, okay. So the, this opens up so many questions that I have. So how does rehearsing then work when you have, I'm sure, obviously I'm sure you have your computer there, but like, do you learn a song and then you put the computer in after mm. you've learned it? Like, is it built into the arrangement? How, what's the process mm. for putting it all together? Well, right now we are, we're putting a new album together. Oh, sweet. So we are in the middle of this process and also this learning process of developing how we rehearse uh, and make new music. So this time we've been writing the songs together, co-writing all of the songs together. And um, now because we've sung together for so many years and also worked with the computer, then the arranging process and the computer process and the songwriting process is kind of melting together mm -hmm. so when we write then we kind of know that we don't have to only arrange for five voices and we know that yeah you know you get you get ideas of what's possible so at the moment we are composing and arranging and doing things in the computer making uh, like making things up programming things in the computer and then later on figuring out how can we actually sing this stuff and also singing stuff and figuring out how can we put this inside the computer. So it's like a ping pong all the time. Yeah, you're going back and forth. So one of the things you said is if it's something's too perfect, it doesn't feel human. Or when you do make mm. a mistake, it does feel more human. I think some people feel that, I mean, and you touched on this earlier, that, oh, if you're using a computer, is it really acapella? But from what I've heard from the group, it's using both to create a different kind of acapella. How do you still keep it feeling like acapella and still feeling authentic, even when you are hmm. using electronic manipulation? I guess to me, it's not that important if it's mm -hmm. acapella. What's important to me is that it's honest, mm -hmm. honest music. And uh, to me, what's important is that it's either music that we write, that we f feel is important, or that it's songs from other people that we feel connected to, that we feel that we want to kind of add something to or share with people. And since we are five singers, then uh, it's only natural that the main sounds that we use are from the voice. Mm -hmm. But... I mean, this is just who we are and our instruments. But I also feel that sometimes I feel limited by the voice because it is, it's so soft. The voice is even, the, no matter how loud I can scream, and I can scream really loud, <laughs> uh, then, uh, then, then still soft compared to an electronic uh, beat, for example. Mm. And I feel that for some of the music that I want to make, I just need a little bit of roughness and a little bit of, machine-like precision. Mm -hmm. So what we try to do is to make like an in, make an instrument out of the voices that we can record voices like in the song My Future Self, where we record voices, but then we use the computer to kind of cut up the voice and make kind of cut away the, the beginning of the tone and also the ending of the tones so that we only have the sound that is like in the middle of mm -hmm. the of the note. Make sense? Yeah. So we get something that has the sound of a human voice, but the precision of a machine. And to me, that is interesting. I think that's very interesting. So it, what it sounds like is, while well, what you're doing might not be considered, quote unquote, acapella in the very strictest sense of the word, mm. you are using 
contemporary acapella as almost like a sample. You are using it as yeah. a as a germ, yeah. a starting point, yeah. and then you are creating something that follows similar aesthetics and structures, similar to contemporary acapella, but that uses electronics to kind of take us into a a new direction. At least that's what I've yeah. gotten just from what you've just said right now and from listening. Because I from when I first listened to it, I was like, is this is this like a techno album? I, I was kind of confused, mm-hmm. and then as I listened more it was very clear. It's like, you know, this isn't just someone playing a MIDI track and hitting like beep, beep, beep. They were human sounds. So I think Hmm. for me, it felt like an exploration of what you can do with the human voice when you use current technology and put it into new contexts. I mean, I guess it's similar to back when people started using microphones. Yeah. Then you would also say that, oh, this microphone, it's a superficial uh, mechanical thing that is doing stuff to the voice, it doesn't sound the same as when we sing uh, acoustically. And, and also when you have the microphone, then you can add reverb and you can add delays and you can add, you can even add like a distortion effect that a lot of acapella groups use for play, yeah. sounding like a guitar. And I mean, to me, that is, that is one way of using electronics or mechanics, uh, which is enhancing the voice and i think this is just for me it's just the next step yeah i i think that's a really good comparison because let's just take a hypothetical situation if someone used a microphone for the first time i could imagine maybe their response is oh they're not really singing that or oh they can't sing that loud so they have to use a microphone that's not fair or they're using a crutch Mm. and while i can totally see that at the time when you've only been exposed to people just singing straight and not using any Mm. kind of amplification it seems now in seeing what microphones can do and the art forms that have come out of it, it seems much more like a tool to access a different kind of sound mm. rather than cheating. Because acapella is naturally pretty pretty hard because you are singing with each other with no instruments and trying to keep it in tune. So I guess so I guess there there's kind of two sides to it. One side you can see it as a tool, the other side you can some people might see it as cheating. But Poster is one of the few groups that I feel does this. Like there's not a lot of other groups that are doing what you're doing. So I think while maybe it doesn't fit cleanly into either category, what you're doing is pioneering a new way of making music. And maybe in 20 years, that's what everyone's going to be doing. I don't know if, that, if that'll actually happen, but I think it's worth recognizing that Poster is kind of on the cutting edge of this idea of electronic acapella. And while that might be not necessarily off-putting to some, that might seem almost like blasphemy or kind of strange to some people Mm. i think it is going to be something that just to me at least in listening to it it adds a new flavor to the world of contemporary acapella rather than subverts it or kind of like cheats the system well thank you that's um at least that's what we 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 try to stir things up i mean it's it's also part of our our name posture it means to to stir to, uh, oh. Like, uh, you know, the drink, the James Bond drink, shaken, not stirred, <laughs> you know? So it means to stir things up. We don't want to make a riot or a big fuss. We just want to make a little a little movement. Yeah, you want to do something new. And uh, want to do something new. And I think to begin with, what we wanted to do was this project, the Pustua project, that we wanted to combine voices and electronics and also write our own songs. But I think more and more... What's important to us is not so much much the um, the frame, it's mm-hmm. more the content. It's the stories yeah. and the songs. And I feel like more and more we're going full circle and returning to from where we came from, just the joy of singing together and the joy of 
communicating something with music and lyrics that is difficult to um, address just with, you know, normal words. I, I feel like we are coming back to where it all started, but just, you know, having some uh, more experiences and some more tools in our rucksack using the electronics and all. I absolutely agree with that. And I think that kind of philosophy, I think, is super important. I think as long as you're coming at it from that angle, that, that can only be a good thing. And I think it's also important to look at the context in which you, uh, in which Poster is making this music. You are doing this, you know, in a studio. You are doing this with the intent of we recognize we are using electronics electronics to create a new sound. And I think people see electronics in acapella and they immediately think like, oh my gosh, it's auto-tune. Oh my gosh, it's cheating. Oh my gosh, you can't do that. There's this instinctual reaction and this kind of fear. Mm -hmm. But it's not like you guys are a group that doesn't sing with any electronics and then you're going into the ICCAs or an acapella competition and using the electronics to like stay in tune when you can't stay in tune. You know what I mean? It's like, no, no, there's, no, no. yeah, there's, you already have a core talent and you're, and you're using electronics to go out and pioneer something. And I have issues with auto-tune in certain contexts. I have issues with electronic manipulation. If a group went out to the ICCAs and they couldn't stay in tune or they only won because mm. they were using it as a crutch. But again, you guys are using it to, you are intentionally recognizing that, hey, this is something that is different and isn't necessarily used in a lot of acapella contexts. Mm. But in this context where we are just trying to do something creative and kind of blaze a trail, I think there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that mm. just opens up the world of acapella a little bit more. And maybe someone who sings acapella, who likes it, but maybe doesn't love it, or maybe someone who's never gotten into it sees what Poster is doing and says, oh, that's the kind of music I want to make. Well, I hope that we can inspire. I mean, we've we've been, I mean, I'm inspired by other people all the time. And I think that it's all about sharing. If yeah. we can share ideas, then things will grow and develop. And uh, you said something about competition. And I guess one very like basic thing about Pustua is that we're not in it for competition mm -hmm. and we're not in it for measuring ourselves with mm -hmm. other groups. We are in it for the music and we're definitely not in it for the money. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> then we should have done something else with our education. We're in it for <laughs> the art. And I, th I know that many other acapella groups, they are also in it for the singing, but maybe they're also very much in it for the entertainment factor or for mm -hmm. the show, if you know what I mean. And I think our concerts, and we do a lot of them, are very entertaining. I mean, I can see that people are entertained, but what I mostly can see is that they are curious and touched. In our concerts, it's, I don't know if it's a positive thing, but... Uh, it's normal that people cry in our concerts. Really? It's normal. It's normal that people after the show they come up and say this song or that song, it, it touched me or I I know the feeling or something like that. And this means the world to me. Not that people <laughs> cry, <laughs> but that but that that the music matters. And uh, the way we see it is that the music is like a, it's a present that we yeah. give. And uh, if people don't like it, well, they, I guess they can't return it like at Christmas, <laughs> but they can put it in the closet and tell no one about it, you know, or they can they can really enjoy it. Yeah, they can just in, enjoy it or be helped by by it. And uh, that's what uh, what drives us. 
I think that's really great because it's very clear the context in which you are making this music is we just want to see what we can do and we want to make art. You guys want to make art and you want to share that with people. And I, and I think that's awesome. And even though it doesn't fit into categories that maybe have been previously defined, like you said, if people are crying at your concerts, maybe this is the kind of music they really want to hear. And just because you hmm. um, poster is going out and creating that music and using acapella as a part of it, I think that's super important. And I think it would be a mistake for people to just go, oh, wait, there's electronics in this. It's not acapella. Maybe it doesn't hmm. fall again into that very strict, narrow definition and that's okay. There's lots of acapella that thrives in that narrow definition. And I make mm. music that falls under that. But it is cool when we can look beyond that to see what yeah. else there could be. I think, it's, again, it's similar to uh, vegetarian food. I mean, <laughs> there is great vegetarian food. Uh, it's only with, with plants. Wonderful. Mm. <laughs> I love it. And there is also great food based on meat. And then there is some food that is full of vegetables. And then there is just one piece of chicken in it. <laughs> and you know what? It can be really great. And of course, it's not vegetarian. I know that. And to some people, it's really a problem. And that's fine by me. They can just skip skip the chicken if they want to. Yeah. But I mean, if you only, if you, if you kind of, you also miss out on something mm-hmm. if, you, if you don't try it. Well, I hope I haven't offended the vegetarians. I think you're okay. <laughs> I think that was a, a very apt metaphor. And it's, it yeah. speaks to how acapella is very highly categorized and compartmentalized sometimes and that we can afford to open it up just a bit more to fr- frankly just see what else could be out there so we can have these moments of people crying in the audience or people getting these kind of like acapella presence, as you say. So then we can see just frankly, what else is out there and kind of explore the world of acapella even more. We're going to take a quick break really quick. I'm going to pass it on over to Amanda Tran with her segment, Notable Coverage. And then we're going to be right back here today with Tina Fries only on Tacapella. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, where people know the hashtag symbol, is for more than social media. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Notable Coverage, here only on Tacapella on Acaville Radio. I'm your host, Amanda Tran, and every week I talk about a different song that is heavily covered in the acapella world, whether or not it's good or bad. For some reason, groups just like to do the same songs all the time. And I'm just here to talk about maybe the reasons why or reasons why I think they do them all the time. We're just here to dig in. We all love acapella. Here we go. This is episode 19, and we are talking about Hallelujah. Hallelujah was originally by Leonard Cohen, and it came out in 1984. It did decently well on pop radio, but it did not become like a thing thing until 1994, 10 years later, when Jeff Buckley did a cover of it. And that's the version that most people are familiar with. I would like to say that 2001 was the biggest Hallelujah moment because it was featured in the soundtrack of the incredible animated motion picture Shrek. Yes, you heard it right. It was on Shrek and I feel like it has had another revival. And 17 years later, here we are in 2018, it is back again. Shrek is all over the internet. It's in memes. Smash Mouth had a moment. Smash Mouth still has a moment with All Star. We might have to talk about All Star in a separate episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, Hallelujah is an incredible song. 
Um, it's so beautiful. And I feel like everyone who picks up a guitar plays it. And anyone who's an acapella group has arranged or sung some sort of version of it because of the song's memorable melody. The lyrics are beautiful. It's just like, it makes sense. It's a go-to song for any group that wants to have like that emotional moment in their set. Obviously the second song, if you're following the ICCA formula. Usually I'll play a few samples here and there. And I feel like the past few episodes, I haven't given you guys too many samples, but honestly speaking, even though these songs are heavily covered, I'm just have not been impressed by all these transcriptions. So when we say transcription, obviously you guys know what that means because you are listening to an acapella radio station, but it just sounds exactly like the track and it's not doesn't have any like memorable or really cool moments that are different or innovative from the original version. And that's what I'm always looking for. The one the arrangements that stick out to me are the ones that are imaginative, maybe experimental, sometimes they're kind of weird, but those are the ones that are interesting because you get an idea of the group's style and their personality, as well as the a look into the arranger's creative mind when they're going in to arrange a song. So all the versions of Hallelujah are passable, I would say. Some of them are not as great as others, but they all pretty much sound the same. It sounds cliche, but I am gonna give a shout out to Pentatonics because their version that was featured on one of their Christmas albums gets me every single time at the that ending section where they're all like belting. I like to say screlting. It's like a scream, but a belt at the same time. I feel like I've talked about this in the Sia episode, but yeah, screlt. It's like one of my favorite things when you scream tastefully while you're belting. Um, but yeah, that ending cascading section, it's just so epic and so beautiful and so like, you know, it makes me want to kind of shed a tear sometimes, but also feel so inspired. It's amazing. And I love it. And Pentatonics did it again with this one. I've heard them do it live since they've had it, this version on their album. Um, and yeah, here is a little bit of Hallelujah by Pentatonics. Again, I'm your host, Amanda Tran. If you have any questions, comments, requests, songs that I should cover, or just any acapella-related or any non-acapella-related thing you want to tell me, feel free to reach out. You can find me at Amanda Tran Rocks. That's at Amanda Tran, R-O-C-K-S, on every single social media platform ever, even MySpace. Just kidding, I don't check that. AOL, AIM, whatever. You can find me anywhere on the internet. I look forward to talking to you guys and I'll see you next time. Bye. You're listening to community supported Acaville radio streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville filling your ears with voices since 2013. And welcome back to Talkapella. 
Hey, everybody. This is John Lampus with Tina Fries from Poster on Tacapella today. Now, Tina, how, how do I say poster right? Because it's P-O-S-T-Y-R. What's the proper pronunciation? In Danish, it's pronounced posture. Posture? Yeah. Okay, I think I think but, I have like um, a little Danish blood, so maybe maybe I can say it right one day. Sounds great. Pustur. Pustur. Yeah. Okay, I'm sure most of well our done. listeners to themselves just tried to say that out loud because it's it's a tricky word to but say. But actually, everyone is allowed to pronounce it exactly the way they want it to be pronounced. Okay, that's part nice. of us. Uh, part of us choosing the name was also that that we wanted it to be just a sound, mm-hmm. something that was not really, I mean, at least for everyone who doesn't speak Danish, it would just be a sound that would make them think about us. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it would be then the posture. What is posture? It is this vocal group from Denmark. Um, and uh, then in Danish, well, the word has a meaning. It's an, an old word that means to make, uh, to stir things up. I think like it's I really nice. Before. It's almost like um, kind of like an amanapia, like a, like bang or boom or something like that yeah. in that it is... Your group deals with the manipulation and the creation of sound so much. So it's almost this neat idea that your actual name is in one sense a word, but also in the same sense, it is a sound and how you attach yourself to that sound and interpret it is uniquely your own. That's a really nice way to come up with a group name. I like that. So Tina, can you tell us a little bit about how Poster came about? We've been around for about nine years now. Nine years. And uh, to... Before we started Pusture, the four of us sang in the choir vocal line that I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now I'm the only one who's still around in oh, vocal okay. line. But uh, this is kind of where we learned everything we know about singing in harmony. The four of us have been singing vocal line for a lot of years at that time. And um, at some point, we we just felt like we wanted to make something of our own. Uh-huh. Um, and we wanted to uh, sing our own songs. Uh, most of us were already composing. And we felt like, how come we always sing cover music? How come all the a cappella groups that we meet when we're touring <laughs> with vocal line, they're also singing cover music? Can't we just write our own songs? And uh, how come it has to sound so beautiful all the time? Isn't there so much in life that is not beautiful? Can't we find a way to make the music sound more like life? Uh huh. And so we started out. We went to this uh, summer house, uh, vacation house, um, that Christopher, our bass, that his grandmother had. And then we spent the weekend there walking along the beach uh, in the fall and... We came up with the name and we came up with the first song sketches. That's really cool that you had that experience, that shared experience of all singing in a group beforehand and then recognizing while you liked that group, you wanted to do something a little more niche, a little more specific to your interests and then created something out of that. So what kind of group is is vocal line? Do you say, is it an acapella group or is it a choir? It's both. Both, Uh, okay. It's like an XXL vocal group. Okay. And if, if you if you're not familiar with vocal line then I can then I think you should check them out I because will. this is what really got me started in uh, a cappella music. I was singing in the school choir, but uh, at some point I went to a concert with vocal line and it sounded so good that I stopped in my choir because you know the distance from what I was doing and what I had just experienced was just <laughs> 
too big. I couldn't stand it. <laughs> and then I decided I have, okay, now I have to practice. And then in a couple of years, I will try to apply and b become a member of Vocal Line. And then it worked out. And, uh, and then it worked out. And uh, now I've been there for 13 years. And uh, Vocal Line is conducted by Jens Johansen. He's a conductor and a ranger. Uh -huh. And he arranges for this choir with 33 singers, five basses, uh, six tenors, altos and second altos, sopranos and second sopranos. Mm -hmm. And uh, we do music, cover music mainly, but also uh, we've been um, performing with Bob McFerrin on the vocabularies. Oh, nice. So doing more like experimental music. We've been uh, performing with the Rolling Stones. We've been touring uh, oh, wow. in Brazil. We've been in Taiwan. We've been everywhere for the last uh, 30 years. So Jens has been doing this for the last 30 years. He's a big inspiration. That's a very to cool me and legacy. To a lot of other people in uh, in Europe. I yeah. think he's like the De the Deke Sharon of Europe, actually. <laughs> we all want to be the Deke Sharon of our own communities. That's a really cool yeah, legacy no to um, to be a part of. So I'm curious. One thing my co-host and I talk about a lot is, especially with people who create groups, because I've created, I've started two groups. My co-host has started like three, maybe four. Brian, correct me on that if you're listening. One thing we notice in creating our groups is that we take things from groups we've been in before or groups that we've seen that have been successful and put them into the groups we've created. I followed the groups, uh, the blanks, they were on the TV show Scrubs. I took some of their arrangements. I took some of kind of just their their style and their humor and I put that into one of the first groups I created. Was there anything from Vocal Line that since I think you said the four of you were all in the group uh, before and was there anything from Vocal Line that kind of helped serve as the foundation for Poster? Yes, very much. I think uh, one of the basic things about Vocal Line is that Vocal Line is very serious mm -hmm. about the music. I think a lot of a cappella is being, at least in Europe, being considered like light music. Mm. Um, okay. And uh, and Jens has always picked songs from like Leonard Cohen has picked songs from. Mm -hmm. I don't know, big, big singers, um, Peter Gabriel, um, yeah. songs with very strong lyrics, uh, songs by Björk, uh, songs mm -hmm. by Tori Amos, uh, singers who are really poetic and who are very emotional. Yeah. And Jens is always putting the lyrics first. He has made a very, very interesting arrangement of uh, Coldplay's Viva La Vida, where he's taken away all the background voices and make it into a what's it, a choral where everyone is almost singing the, the same rhythm at the same time. I want to listen. And then to that. Uh, yeah, you so should cool. listen to that. And he has a, a lot of interesting ideas. Uh huh. And uh, this has inspired us a lot the way he arranges and his approach. So he has really inspired us to um, that we should take pop music seriously, and also that we should. Yeah, let the lyrics and the stories of the songs put it in the front row. Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Take, taking pop music, I mean, I think you just said it, taking pop music seriously, because I think with popular music, there is, I mean, you know, in the broad spectrum, I've done a lot of uh, research on popular music versus classical music in uh, the choral classroom, and there are vastly different cultures surrounding both. Popular music is... Uh, often more rooted in improvisation or people who can't read music. And sometimes that can lead to it being seen as, oh, that's just for fun. And mm -hmm. while 
pop music I think does have more uh, can often have a little bit more surface level enjoyment at the expense of some of the depth of classical music and and you know you can go back and forth and find examples on both ends of that mm-hmm. sometimes that kind of like oh pop music is just fun that can unfortunately sometimes lead to people not taking the crafting process as seriously the rehearsal mm. process there's a sense of I don't know if you're in a big classical choir and you're singing Bach or something you're going to really work hard on that the classical the important stuff and then when you get to the fun stuff you might not put your best foot forward and you might not rehearse it or craft it Mm. and kind of fine-tune it as much as you can because it is the quote-unquote fun piece is that kind of what you're talking about yes and also no because (laughs) what I'm also talking about is that there are lots of pop music that are dealing with big emotions and big questions in life just like the classical music is. Uh, There is also pop music that is more about dancing Mm -hmm. uh, and making out. But there are also a lot of popular music that is about uh, big philosophical um, and poetic themes in life. And this is what I find interesting. This is the part of the popular music that I find interesting. And... um, and what is also interesting about Vocaline and what, what Jens has done is that he is he's t- kind of taking a step away, at least in a lot of his work, from imitating instruments. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of a cappella groups are trying trying to mimic the sound of a guitar or the sound of a bass or the sound of a trumpet. And what Jens is doing is that he's trying to make the, so- the voice sound like the voice mm-hmm. and finding all the sounds that are special for the voice that trumpets and guitars can't make. And also what I think what is so special about the voice is that the voice can express lyrics. Yes, and absolutely. And what, what, what wonders me often when I listen to a cappella groups is that often you only see the lead singer sing lyrics mm-hmm. then maybe in the chorus there will be some more singers who can sing lyrics maybe <laughs> there will be some call and response somewhere but why not give more singers uh, lyrics it's a very very strong tool mm-hmm. i think as a singer that you can also express words yeah absolutely and i think i mean i'm a major proponent of popular music and popular uh, music education in choral classrooms in contemporary music education uh, classical music education and I think um, exposing our singers and um, our students and our children to all of these kind of facets helps us understand music better as a whole something I talk about a lot of times is students can often get confused about what a piece is about when it's a classical piece. Students might not understand what a symphony is about if they don't have the context. And then they mm. might and then they just might not ever develop those skills of analyzing a piece of music and understanding um, not only its culture but the what it's actually trying to say. So you start them out with something like, I don't know, Bob Dylan's um, Like a Rolling Stone and you say listen mm. to these lyrics and understand what's now what's happening in the music that's reinforcing what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And then you start to build a bridge to okay Mm. they understand the lyrics then they understand how the music is enforcing that and then they can start to understand all music better because you start them out with music that is at least at the beginning immediately more accessible and i think popular music plays Mm. an invaluable part with this and then i think what the other thing you said about your director trying to just kind of subvert standard acapella almost tropes of imitating instruments and trying to kind of get more to using the human voice as 
many people, you know, as, as a voice rather than as an imitator. I think that's just mm. another thing that by trying to figure that out and by trying to do that purposefully in his arrangements and his pieces, that is another tool that we have in like in the world of contemporary acapella. That's one more way of, as, as me and my co-host like to say, that's one more way of doing acapella. And it yeah. sounds, it's similar to poster in that while maybe it's not always like at the very forefront by just kind of exploring what happens if we put like this limitation and don't try and imitate anything. How is that going to affect our compositions? How's that going to affect our hmm. arrangements? You're going to find things that stick out and you're going to uncover you're going to discover new things about acapella mm. that will only broaden the field and potentially bring more in and strengthen the art form as a whole. Amen. Sweet. All right, everybody, <laughs> we're going to take one more yeah. quick break. I'm going to pass it on <laughs> over to Aaron McCallow, our correspondent in the UK, talking all about UK acapella. And then we're going to be right back here on Tacapella with Tina Fries. You're listening to community-supported Acaville Radio, streaming acapella around the clock at acaville.org. Acaville, where people know the hashtag symbol, is for more than social media. UK acapella, from collegiate to semi-professional groups, live events, gigs, spotlights, interviews... This is Across the Pond, and I am Erin, bringing you everything you need to know about UK acapella. This week on Across the Pond is going to be slightly different. So everything in the UK starts slightly later. So we've basically all just started having rehearsals. We've just got all of our newbies. Nothing's really happening. It's super quiet at the minute. A couple of weeks ago, I shared my concerns about coming up with goals and intent and motivation for the year. This week is going to be somewhat along the same lines, but it's more sort of what I've learned from being a music director and being a, the, the manager of the group. And it's something that I think is really key to starting on a good foot and having all of the members of your group on the same page, which is setting expectations. I think this is absolutely key to having a great year and achieving all of the goals that you want to achieve. It's not really about the outcome, so it's not the expectation that we want to do 10 gigs or we want to do this competition and we want to win this award it's not it's not about that but it's expectations for the members of the group to uphold to know that this is what we expect from you and this is what you should expect from your committee or I think it's called um the executive board in in US acapella I think it basically just means that everyone's on the same page when we begin the year and will hopefully potentially minimize any conflict or any issues there are in the group because everyone is going to be upheld to the same expectations. So for me, in my head, I sort of split this into two main routes, which would be the administrative side and the music side. So expectations in terms of the administrative side, what we like to do and what I think works extremely well is before the year starts, try have as many dates in the diary as possible. Even if they're not confirmed, if you say, okay, we want to record a music video um, next spring, 
that might seem like a while away considering it's you know it might be September or October when you're putting that out there but if you say okay you need to make sure that you're free for these two weekends that we might be recording a music video that means that if people say well they come to you in February and say I can't I have to be at my girlfriend's birthday party is next weekend I can't do it it's like you knew about this and that's just the way it is so that's what we like to do we release a full calendar with all of the dates that we currently have and we say look there's obviously going to be some stuff in here that isn't that we won't know about you know especially the further you go into the year you're not going to know you know things are uncertain of course but the more you have and the more you communicate that the earlier the better is absolutely key so we have um gigs booked in for april already for february and we try fit everything around that so that people can work their lives around your group rather than you know, them working the group around their other commitments. So we do that for things like gigs, for busking, obviously for rehearsals, we have to say every Wednesday, Friday evening, you know, whatever your schedule is. And then the expectations in terms of music. So however you your group likes to do it, we sort of have the precedent that we'll maybe spend one rehearsal note bashing uh, a piece. So going through part by part. I don't mind doing that. I think it gives people a nice introduction to the song once we've gone through that it's then the expectation of that person to go away and learn it and that's just the way it is so that's very key another key part of the music for for me as a music director is saying from the word go that there's no phones when we're learning music we have everything on paper might seem quite old school to some groups but I actually think it's just so important that people aren't distracted and even if you're you know a soprano and you have to sit and listen to the basses and the tenors learning their part for 20 minutes it's worth it because you get to hear every single part of that piece and the texture and what it's what the piece is trying to do rather than just learning your own thing and that's it and then sitting on Instagram for the rest of the rehearsal that's for me pretty pointless and I think rehearsal is such a therapeutic time to just sit and really commit yourself and really focus to that piece of music um and just having no phones we all love it and it's not you know no one's like oh this is this is a dictatorship it's like we all agree that phones are quite distracting and it's just a really nice time to put them all away um, and we have a 10 minute break in the middle of a two and a half hour rehearsal and we can all you know check up on our social medias then or whatever so I would recommend doing that if you haven't uh, tried that um, I know some groups learn music from their phones or tablets again would recommend just trying it on paper and finally the expectation of the group to us if that makes sense so these are all things that i would expect from members of the group learning music outside rehearsals turn up to stuff but what do they expect from us well i i think that group members should expect um a committee or an executive board to just be selfless and to put the group first and to come up with these goals that are for the good of the group to make sure that everyone is content to be reasonable when people have to miss things, you know, like life is more important than a cappella, really. You know, to be compassionate and to be understanding and to listen to people's opinions is so important. You know, as a music director, you have to say, you have to consider everyone's opinions with things. You, having the expectation there that, you know, everyone will have a different opinion on things. So if, for example, you're coming up with an idea for a music video, there's 16 people in our group. Not all 16 of us are going to agree on the idea for the video that's just 
very unlikely that we'll all agree on every element of it. But we have a set expectation that if the majority of people are like, yeah, wow, that's great, then the person who didn't like it is will just have to say, okay, yeah, we'll do it for the good of the group. And you know what, it'll probably end up being fine. And if you set that expectation from the word go, along with everything else, then the creative decisions are going to be a lot easier. And the expectation that people aren't going to get upset when their opinion isn't necessarily used or utilized um makes life a lot easier setting all of these things out and the earlier you can say this the better because it's so good to go over these expectations with um older members of the group and it completely forms the opinion and the expectation of the new members of the group because they have no idea how you've previously run so if you set this from the word go and say this is how the group runs you know they're not going to question it it's not anyway that may have been useful that may not have been i hope it was and i hope that you can maybe impart some of that knowledge into your own group so thank you so much for listening uh we will be back next week with another installment of across the pond and welcome back to talk Appella. i'm your host john lampus i've been talking with tina freese of poster today we've talked a lot about a lot of stuff talking about electronic manipulation in acapella pioneering new technologies to expand the world of contemporary acapella what it means for the human voice to just be the human voice how you manage popular music in a contemporary acapella scene so much today and it's been so cool not only just hearing tina talk all about this stuff but just having kind of yes. a discussion about you know tina say something and i'll say something about what acapella is like in europe and then i'm talking about my experiences here in america and i think it's really cool to see the contrasts in our experience <laughs> today and it's been that's been super valuable for me so tina thank you so much for coming on the show today to just uh, yeah. kind of broaden my worldview, not only of acapella, but music making as a whole. I, I really appreciate it. So yeah, um, one thing we always ask our guests is what is their biggest piece of advice they want to mm-hmm. give to any part of the acapella world? Some people address everyone in acapella. Some people just say something for directors or just for founders. Mm-hmm. So if there's one piece of advice you had to give to anyone in the world of acapella, what would it be? Well, I think... As a musician, people could ask themselves what they would like to give. Mm. What is it that you want to give to someone else? What is it you want to give to the singers you sing with? What is it you want to give to your audience? And just really like meditate on that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then figure out what you want to give and then go ahead and give it. And the thing about giving is that you don't necessarily get anything back. And uh, because if you get something back, if you expect to get something back, then it's not giving, then it's uh, trading. Yeah. And that's a different thing. Um, my experience is that if you give something, then at some point you will get a lot of things back. Not necessarily from the people you give it to, but <laughs> it will come back to you. Uh, something good will come back to you. And I think this, if this is the driving force in how you pick songs and how you sing together and how you create things then i think you you are doing good i think that is a beautiful sentiment that we could all afford to think about more and figure out how we relate to it because what we're doing is performing we're not just getting up a lot we're not getting into a room by ourselves and just singing alone 
we're singing with people and we're singing for other people. So I think that's, I think that's a beautiful sentiment that all groups, whether you're a professional group like Poster or you are a high school after school group, what are you trying to give and who are you doing this for? I think, I think that's beautiful. Thank mm-hmm. you so much, Tina. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was great to have you on Tacapella. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Tina, if people want to get a hold of posters, see what you're all about, listen to your music, uh, how could they do that? They can find us on YouTube and we have a homepage and we are on Facebook and, you know, everywhere. Everywhere. You can find us. You just have to search for us. P-O-S-T-Y-R. Posture. Perfect. I'll be doing that. And then everybody, you can find me in the same place at John Lampus, J-O-H-N-L-A-M-P-U-S on Twitter and Instagram. And also please check out Acaville Radio on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, because they, uh, they, they make this show run and it's the reason we're around. So Tina, thank you again for an awesome time today just talking about all this stuff. And everybody, for everything acapella, please stay tuned. Hello, my name is Lisa Hawkins, and welcome to Tacapella's mini-segment, Asking for Directions, where I will be talking about different tips and tricks that will help your acapella group get to the next level. This week, I want to talk about characteristics of a good leader. And these can be applied to any sort of leadership position regardless of acapella, but I think this is particularly important in this setting because I assume that most of you are either in collegiate groups or in some sort of self-run acapella group, and all of these tips I'm going to mention can also be applied to any leadership position within the group, but I'm gearing it a little bit towards music directors because they're the ones that are a little bit more frequently in authority and the ones giving constructive criticism, directions, and feedback on a more regular basis. Because being a leader among your peers when you're kind of in charge for a brief period of time during the day can be difficult because you need things to get done but they're still your friends and you still want them to like you and and it could be a fine line so here are some characteristics that are important to be a successful leader in that sort of environment number one responsibility first and foremost you have to be prepared for your job whether you are president music director whatever But as a music director specifically, if you aren't prepared for the rehearsal, why should your singers be, right? It doesn't really matter if you had a bad week, a thousand projects, because, you know, so did they probably. And they're going to have those weeks when maybe you didn't, but you're still going to expect them to come to rehearsal prepared, right? And like I always say, homework is not an excuse because we all have homework all the time. But the bottom line is people are counting on you. If you're on top of time management, necessary musical knowledge and communication, they will at the very least respect you. Even if you don't have everything figured out, doing this shows that you're doing your best. And if you continue to do this, you will learn and improve and find your own leadership style along the way. So that's the first step to becoming a good leader, responsibility. The second thing is empathy. So this may seem like a simple concept, and it is, but one that we sometimes forget because we're so focused on what needs to be accomplished. The idea here is you give some, you get some. Yes, you may be responsible and talented, but there will always be times when you mess up, and there will be times when others do too. In my opinion, acapella in particular requires a safe space because of how personal vocal music can be. You are using your voice and body to make yourself vulnerable and deliver a specific message, right? And you can't do that if the singers don't feel like they're in a safe space where they can express those things and be vulnerable. And yes, you need to be on top of the game and so do they, but sometimes life just gets out of hand and people need care and understanding to feel secure enough to grow. And again, so do you. 
give it to others and they will do the same, which creates a supportive environment for everybody and then leads to more beautiful music. So it's a win-win. Thirdly, the desire for self-improvement slash (laughs) self-awareness. No matter how good you are, you always have room to grow. And it's important to remember that in every step of the process, evaluate your strengths and weaknesses and really try to be aware of how you're coming off as a leader and have the drive to find ways to become more responsible, more empathetic, and more knowledgeable and prepared. Like, do you come off as rigid, a pushover? It's who knows, it's impossible to be 100% aware, right? But do your research and self-reflect. Something that is always great is taking a moment every once in a while in your rehearsal or at the you know, end of the week, whatever, to get feedback from your singers on what could be better. This is good for you and it makes them feel like they're a part of the journey in bettering this group because, well, they are. It's easy to feel unvalued when you're treated like your opinions and ideas don't matter. So ask them and take their advice to heart and improve on them. Because let's be honest, no one was ever like, gosh, I like that person. They are so complacent. (laughs) So do your best to understand what type of leader you are. And last, but certainly not least, humility. The best leaders are the ones who are selfless and care more about the wellness of the group than their own personal titles. So display your title as little as possible. And that doesn't necessarily mean don't be the one in charge, so to speak. It just means don't have the attitude of I'm the boss, I make the final decision, do as I say. When we first step into a leadership position, myself included, it's unfortunately very easy to do this because one, you're stressed out and you're under pressure. And two, you want them to listen to you and you want to get things done so your group can sound slash look good, right? But this sort of attitude is the quickest way to lose your singers and their respect. So remove your ego from the equation and be the change you wanted to see when you weren't the leader. And you know exactly what that is. The key to any star player is teamwork. So remember that you are a small piece of the puzzle and just because you're the leader doesn't really make you special. Understand that you've just begun your journey and everyone around you is there to support you, help you, and want to see you grow and be your best self. So keep that in mind, and not only will they respect you, but they'll admire you. So those are the four key characteristics of a good leader. Your ultimate goal is to get everyone on the same page, right? And so the best and truly the only way to make this happen is organically, because it's just not one of those things you can force. And once you're able to do that, honestly, it's so inspirational. Your singers will want to work harder when they look up to you. And for you as a leader, that is the most satisfying and rewarding feeling in the world. So keeping these four things in mind will really help you towards being the best leader that you can be for your group and for yourself. And these may sound like really obvious statements, but sometimes it's just it's just one of those things that you don't always think about until they're laid out in front of you. So there you have it, the characteristics of a good leader. Thanks for tuning in. If you have any specific questions, I would love to hear them. You can post them on any of Akaville's social media sites, or you can reach out to me personally. Again, my name is Lisa Hawkins, and thanks for joining me on this week's mini segment of Asking for Directions.